Did you know that we're not alone? I know you know that, but we talk about our free choice. We can do whatever we want. But wait a minute. That's not necessarily the case. If we are believers in Jesus Christ, we have to pray about it first. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this program is called Bible Discovery TV, where we learn the Bible today in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 11, and 12. We continue reading Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. It's going to be very interesting. We'll talk about it in five minutes, right? All right, well, in today's report, I want to gain an understanding of Paul's analogy of an Olympian competing for a crown in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, which he also alludes to in 2 Timothy 2, verse 5. Very good. Janice? Today, God's help and God's grace. Excellent. Ray Craddock is here. Ray, good to see you. Good to be with you guys today. All right, we'll continue picking up on your testimony right now. Open the Bible guide and let's read what God says. First Corinthians 10, 14 through 24. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God, and I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons, or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 14 through 24. Today we read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 11, and chapter 12 as we continue our journey through the Bible. Again, I want to say we're getting close to Revelation. That is a great one. I can't wait to get to that one in the last week in December. You know, Paul writes to the people of Corinth as he would his own sons and daughters. Really important. It is very personal. That is a good thing. Still, today we should read first book of Corinthians the way Paul wrote it because the Holy Spirit ordained it or set it apart and preserved it for us to understand. Many people, you know, they fight for their own rights and freedoms as if it's the most important thing. But when we give our lives to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we give our free will over to him. Now, Paul wanted to communicate this principle to the Corinthians and to us today that we must accept the Lord's authority over us. 
This means that we must pray about all things and do all things according to what the Lord has told us. The Holy Spirit speaks through Paul that we are not alone. We are not isolated to use our free will simply to do what we want. Our decisions, they impact others around us, and we should pay attention to that. Paul speaks to all of us about the impact of our decisions. We are accountable for our actions before the Lord. That's something we should be aware of, something that a lot of people are not talking about today, and we need to talk about. And we're going to do that because the scripture introduces that to us now. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? People are turning to today's passage as we talk about a concern for others. You can get your Bible guide by calling the number or writing to us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, click on the Bible guide. It will take you to a donate page. I would like to say thank you very much for your donations. They mean a lot to us and they keep us alive. So we thank you for them. You can go to a page after that that downloads the Bible guide. And it looks just like we printed it. So you can join us in seconds. So that's very, very important. But today, as we talk about a concern for others, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 14, let's pray. Father, I pray today that we would see your scripture. We would see how you anointed Paul, that is, set him apart, to communicate this scripture when you did so that we can read it today. Help us, Lord, to hear your word. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we said together, amen and amen. This, this, is, this is really interesting. Uh, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Run away. I speak as wise as to wise men. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the com communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break is not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, through many, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake that one bread. Now, what is Paul talking about? What is he saying? We are not alone as Christians. We belong to God and his kingdom. Let's pay attention to our brothers and sisters in Christ. I remember when I was speaking in a church one time, reading the scripture, and I said, here's what the word flee means. And I dropped everything and I ran out the back and the church was sitting there. What's going on? I waited for a couple of seconds and I came back in the door and I said, don't worry, I'm still here. Flee means run away, sprint away, sprint away. Paul uses this language to demonstrate that we are not individuals, that we make our own decision and, you know, your decision is yours and mine. I said, Hold on a minute. We are part of the body of Christ and our decisions affect others. And so we should pray and ask the Lord, this is the decision I'm thinking about making. Help me, Lord, to make the right decision. And God knows all of the attitudes of the other people and everything else, so he helps you to make the right decision. I want to make right decisions too. Makes us wise. Very interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 18, here's what he says. 
He says, observe Israel after the flesh. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers in the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demonic forces. You cannot partake in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Very interesting point. We must respect and keep holy the things of God in our life. If we change the way we live, not because we have to, but because we want to, then we love the Lord. You see, we can't marry everything together. We can't take everything and put it together like that. We've got to understand, we must understand that things to the Lord are holy. And we worship only the Lord. We don't worship other things. That becomes very important. And I remember somebody telling me they were a Christian and they worshiped, you know, this other idol, uh, but they worshiped like God. And I said, no, you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. It was actually an idol she was worshiping. You can't do that. You've, you've got to turn away from every idols and go come to God and worship Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. Now, let's go on to the next verse because 23 to 24. All things are lawful for me, he says, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify me. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Did you see that? The decisions we make about our life, the decisions we make have an effect on those around us. Our choices should be weighed carefully in prayer. I know that a lot of people weigh their choices, but they don't weigh them in prayer. We should weigh our choices in prayer, beloved. Very important. As we think this through, we need to understand that God is teaching us something. And God is showing us something. We need to pay attention to the Lord and say, Father, help me to make my choices good. Help me to make my choices well. Because as we go forward, I need to make these decisions and understanding there's other people affected. So Lord, help me to make the decisions the way you would. In the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we all said together, amen. Now, I want you to think about that. Because that's a change in attitude. It's a change in the way we understand things to work. And as we do that, God will help us to make the change. Because the change is not always easy, but he'll help us to make the change through the power of the one and only Holy Spirit, Jesus. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
Welcome back to the program. Today, my focus is on both 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, and 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And taking these passages together, we see how Paul compares a Christian spiritual journey to that of an athlete competing to win the prize. And Paul's point is well taken. We should have the same dedication to our spiritual race as an Olympic runner has to his, so that we too may win the prize. But unlike an Olympian's crown, which will pass away, the Christian's crown is eternal. Now, with that being said, let's dig into the text and culture a little bit more here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, the Apostle Paul compares a Christian spiritual walk or race to that of a runner. And he says to the Corinthians, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The apostle here is almost certainly alluding to the ancient games of the Greeks, of which there were four. The two most celebrated of these, however, were the Olympic and the Isthmian, of which the Olympic took precedence. Interestingly, it was Corinth that hosted the Isthmian Games every two years, and it occurred at least once during Paul's stay. Thus, to make his point to these Corinthian believers, Paul used imagery that as residents of Corinth, they would have understood very well. As they full well knew, runners who wanted to compete in these games had to go into very strict training and had to exercise great self-control as they trained. As a matter of fact, athletes who competed in the games in Olympia had to swear an oath confirming that they had abstained from wine, meat, and sexual intercourse in the previous 10 months. The first century Greek philosopher Epictetus beautifully illustrates the rigors of such training. Would you be a victor in the Olympic games, he asked. So in good truth would I, for it is a glorious thing. But pray consider what must go before and what may follow and so proceed to the attempt. You must then live by rule, eat what will be disagreeable, refrain from delicacies. You must oblige yourself to constant exercises at the appointed hour in heat and cold. You must abstain from wine and cold liquors. In a word, you must be as submissive to all the directions of your master as to those of a physician. This is the level of commitment that Paul expects both of himself and other Christians in their spiritual race, in order that we too may receive the victor's crown, which will be of much greater glory than the Greek crowns, which were nothing more than chaplets of leaves. Indeed, the Olympic crown was made of the leaves of the wild olive, while the Isthmian crown was made of pine or withered celery. Since the earliest of times, such chaplets were bestowed upon great conquerors of the battlefield. Thus the psalmist declares of the triumphant Messiah in Psalm 132.18, Upon himself shall his crown flourish. The idea of a crown flourishing is very expressive when spoken of a leafy chaplet. Actually, the crown of thorns which was placed on the Savior's head was a mockery of these wreaths of triumph, as well as of the golden crowns of kings. Nevertheless, Paul's point is that just as an Olympian runs with the purpose of winning the prize, which is perishable, we also need to run with the goal of winning the heavenly crown, which is imperishable. You know, Paul's message is a real challenge for a lot of us, isn't it? Oftentimes we want to get saved and then just sit back and relax and maybe even go on sinning and living the way that we want to live. 
But Paul exhorts us to commit wholeheartedly to the faith, denying ourselves things that would hurt that cause, just as an Olympian commits wholeheartedly to winning the gold, even if it means subjecting him or herself to intense and unpleasant training. And if an Olympian disciplines him or herself in order to win an award which will pass away, how much more should we discipline ourselves in order that we may win an award that will never pass away? Important lessons from the, from the Apostle Paul. You know, there's a lot of important lessons from this man who was trained as a Pharisee and uh, is the apostle to the Gentiles or the leader to the Gentiles. Very interesting. Mm -hmm, for it's, sure. It really is. We'll get to Galatians later on. Uh, in the study, but it's very good. Janice? Well, and continuing on with that, I, I titled my segment today, God's Help and Grace, because Paul ends this uh, particular passage that we're studying today, verses 23 and 24. This is all to the glory of God. Paul says, all things are lawful for me. He's talking about being a follower of Christ, but listen to what he says. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Interesting, isn't it? Let no one seek his own. Now, Paul is talking about those who claim to follow Christ. Those who have said, yes, I believe you are the son of God. Yes, I believe you died on the cross to save me from my sins, and I choose to follow you. He says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. That is not a popular message in today's culture that says, me first. When I'm happy, then, you know, I'll give the rest of you what you... It's a topsy-turvy world that Christ invites us as we follow him. It's a different way of thinking. And as we commit our lives to follow him, we need to remember we belong to God first. And so we are his representatives and we want to represent him well. The only way we can represent him is to know him. If he is our father, you know, I know my dad. I know what his favorite color is. I know what foods he loves. I know what foods he doesn't like. I know my dad because I've had relationship with my dad for 60 years now. And it's the same with our father in heaven. We need to have a relationship, a working relationship, so that we know how to be, we know how to live, and we can't do it on our own. We need God's help. So let's remember that today. These verses from Paul, we have liberties and freedoms because of what Christ has done for us. But not all of those freedoms are good for those around us. And we need to serve others first. We need to think of others before ourselves. I can't think of a better time to say that than with social media going on right, right now yeah. and everybody doing all of this. Uh, that's true, Janice. Uh, and the Bible is just is set up for us today because if we pay attention to it, um, it directs our the way we handle ourselves on social media and everything else. And it's easy to say, harder to live. Oh, yeah. And, and we just need to remind ourselves all the time, take a step back, don't react right away, but take that step back and, and really focus on how we should live as representatives because people are watching. In fact, they are. And we need to, we need to understand that. And if, if we are apostles of Christ, that means we are in leadership. Mm -hmm. So that means Christ leads us. We're not just Christians on <laughs> Saturday or Sunday. No, we're not. And we don't just act like a Christian. It's a way of life. We have to react mm -hmm. like a Christian. So when the person cuts you off <laughs> in the parking lot and you go, 
you know, <laughs> you got to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, oh, God bless you in Jesus. Name. You know, it's just not, it's not easy. Uh, anyway, but that's the way it is. It's really true. Well, uh, Ray Craddock is here. And Ray, this is an exciting time when you're telling us about your testimony because God, yesterday you mentioned something about your mother and you had 50 seconds. So I didn't give you enough time to really deal with it. But let's start there. You're saved, you've been healed, but your your mother with this Bible, because you're now carrying the Bible. I am. You were carrying weapons before, now you're carrying the Bible. Well, now I'm carrying the ultimate weapon. Mm, the spiritual weapon. The spiritual yeah. weapon. And, uh, and it far surpasses any other weapons, that's for exactly. sure. And she was embarrassed, you know, because of the neighbors and so on. I didn't know, I don't know there was any believers in the street where I because lived. Because she wasn't all. a Christian. She was not a Christian right. and had no faith, uh, as did none of my family, in actual fact. Um, so over a period of time, one of the things that really interested me about the second coming, which was the message that brought me to the Lord, was that that ties in with world events. So I would often talk within the family structure, as it were, about world events and how it, it, it connects to the Bible in some way. I'm hearing this in church and so on. So I would find ways in which I could witness to her. And uh, I, I guess over a period of a, several years, actually, uh, it took me right back into, I would say it was in the 80s. It, it would have been in the 80s, that's right. I was pastoring a church at that time. So it would have been in the 80s. And I managed to get her to a couple of church services. She had obviously seen over the years the change in my life, which is as a result of this, the Word of God, which you teach every day. And um, I think it began to resonate with her and eventually got to that point where I would say to her, Mom, you need to make a commitment to Christ. And she did. She yeah. did. So you, you started when you were young. Yes. And uh, she wanted to wait and see what it was because I think so. she's not a Christian and you are a Christian. Yeah. The only one in the family who really came to know Christ. Yes. And so through time, she's watching. You. Yeah. And, and the reason for that, I think, Rod, is because in those uh, those early days, you know, when you're you're a teenager and you're growing, everything is a five minute wonder. Nothing really lasts. And so that's what she thought about this. Mm -hmm. And 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 Janice, I think she began uh, and you mentioned this previously. She began to understand this wasn't anything other than a relationship that was being established with the creator. Mm -hmm. And I think she began to see it. And, and then when she gave her life to Christ, she's not a very public person. We baptized her in her bath. Oh, wow. Hmm. Wow. Here is water, what doth hinder me? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have That's to be good. a pool. It doesn't have to be a baptismal tank or anything like that. She, she wanted to be baptized. That was her request. And so we filled up the bath, my friend and I, and we baptized her wow. in the bath. How that special. Yeah. is stunning. What a great testimony. Now, let's come back to this. When God stopped you and you ended up weeping on the road in your Volkswagen bug. And uh, he said, I want all of your time now. Yes. What did you do when he said that? Like, how did you go forward? Well, first of all, all I knew was that I had to in some way find a way to give him more of my time. I, I didn't fully understand it. And through discussions with my pastor at the time, Tom Walker and other friends, 
Um, there was definitely a call. I, I was on the street corners by then, by the way, uh, with a with a, a megaphone and a, and a 12 volt battery and preaching, <laughs> preaching and, and giving testimony and whatever. And and so there was an encouragement to think and pray about the possibility of going into Bible college, which was the only medium, as it were, for getting into the ministry if I was going to stay within that denomination, as it were. And so um, I felt as time went by that the Lord was definitely calling me in that direction. And so I saved up every penny I had because you, you're not going to get any grants for a theological college. And uh, eventually in 1969, I went into Bible college for two years and did a residential course. So in 1969, when, when men went to the moon. That's right, I saw a it. Small step <laughs> yeah. for yeah. man, big step for mankind. You went to Bible college. Yes, yes. Did you graduate? I did. I, I was there for two years. Bear in mind that historically, I hated school. I had no interest in studies or anything. I think I remember mentioning to you once before, Rod, I would sneak out of class and I'd <laughs> I'd move the hand forward on the school clock <laughs> so the alarm would go off early and we could all get out of school early. Yeah. I hate it. But, but, but this, this got hold of me. Hmm. And so this now became the weapon of choice. It became the tool that you need for life. Everything anybody ever needs for life is in here. And so I spent two years residential. Uh, Elim Theological College, and then I took up a pastorate after that. And so you became a pastor. Yes. From a young boy carrying weapons in the streets to a pastor. Yeah. That is a stunning testimony. Now we're going to pick it up there on the next program as we continue to talk to you. But this isn't this great. Wonderful. Ray is my good friend. Uh, he is uh, excellent. We've known him for several years. And we're going to talk tomorrow on the next program, Call People, because you'll want to be hear about this, His how he went forward in his ministry and he actually left ministry for a while and studied in in the social sciences very very interesting so uh, that'll be on the next program make sure you join us right now let's carry on with the program and let's pray for those who've written it I want to invite you to our prayer meeting at 3.30 on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Facebook, on Bible Discovery TV, and on YouTube. I will be there live, 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern Standard Time, and we look forward to you coming. So make time to do that at some point. But today we pray, and let's say this, Father, I must hear your word. I, I must read it, and I must hear it. I must believe what you said. Help me today. 